Psalms number 91, you have that passage. While you have that, your Bible open to that passage, let me read to you from Psalms number 40 and listen to what it says. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now you have your Bibles open to Psalms number 91. This is one of my favorite Psalms. It was one of the favorite Psalms of Dr. J. Harold Loman. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful Psalm. But now you listen to the connection between the eagle in Psalms 40, or in Isaiah 40, and in Psalms 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver me, shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the, from noisome, uh, noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor uh, uh, for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in the darkness, uh, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come thy way, uh, uh, nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up on their uh, with the, up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shall thou trample under foot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. And I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I want to call your attention back to verse number two and listen to what he says in verse two and three. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noslem pestilence. Will you bear with me for prayer? Heavenly Father, I ask now the Holy Ghost of God to give that anointing that will make the difference. Thank you, our Father, for the vast radio audience. Thank you, our Father, for those friends who join us worldwide by the Internet. Thank you, our Father, for this great crowd here in the building this morning. Thank you for the wonderful singing of the choir and the congregation, the specials this morning. And God, I pray now the Holy Ghost of God will anoint me. Our Father, every person in the sound of my voice is going to live forever. A great host of the number of people listening to me will be in hell for all eternity, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. And God, I pray that not one person today 
who is not saved will stay unsaved. I pray, God, that today they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And God, I pray for God's people today that God the Holy Ghost, our Father, help us, give us some wisdom, give us direction, give us your anointing. And I pray, God, you'd make us, Lord, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Help us to understand in the last days, Satan has come down with great wrath because he knows his days are short. Help us, our Father, to learn some things about the enemy of the eagle. And I'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been preaching to you. By the way, I had a friend who might be here today. Is there a trucker here that, that I talked to this week? He said he might get to come by. Is, uh, is Craig here this morning? I know Craig Allen's here, but is the other Craig here? I saw some visitors guests. I've never met him, but uh, he said he might get here today. And I want to meet you before you left today. But let me say, I've been dealing with eagles. Eagles are called, they are the monarch of birds. They, they are the, our national symbol, national emblem. A strong, powerful bird known for his flight, wings spread up to eight feet. His vision is, is eight times greater than that of human being. The way his eyes are set in his head, the, the eyeball of an adult eagle is as large as a human's, but he can see eight times greater than a human. That allows him to soar at great heights, and he can, he can view a, a landscape of up to five miles at one time and see his prey. He can descend at such a rapid speed over 150 miles an hour and catch his prey. He has powerful talons to grip and to hold and to defeat. He has a, a, a powerful beak to break even bones of small animals and render them helpless in his grasp. He's a monarch. He is, he's a huge, huge bird and a symbol of power and strength. And we've been challenging folk to be eagle saints. To live like an eagle, to live like he lives, and, to, and to, to understand that they that wait upon the Lord, that word wait means to trust completely. It, it, it gives the idea of being intertwined with him. It's kind of like a, a vine that runs around a great oak, and the oak supports it. And so you're trusting him, and you're totally dependent on him. You have no strength of your own, but you're trusting him. But even eagles have enemies. And matter of fact, eagles make great targets because they're visible. And when they're flying high, they're the one that everybody can see. And when you begin to be faithful to God and you want to serve the Lord and you're going to stand out for Jesus and you're going to fly where others will not fly and you're willing to do what others will not do, mark it down. You are our target. I mean, Satan's going to hate you. If you're going to sit in the pew and suck your thumb and get mad about every little thing, have to pooch your mouth about everything, he's already got you. But it's that crowd that wants to do something for God. It's that crowd that wants to serve the Lord. It's that crowd that's willing to fly higher than anybody else. If you're going to do something for God, I'll tell you right now, you're a target. The devil's going to be after you. Here's, here's, here's an eagle. And the testimony in Psalms 91, he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler. I know when I was a boy growing up, now boys were, I did a little different when I was growing up than do now. I, I'd get up and if, if there wasn't anything to do, which most of the time there was something to do, but I spent most of my time on the creek banking in the woods. I'd leave home and mom wouldn't see me in the dark. And man, we listen, we, we, we learned how to build snares, how to pull down a tree and build a little snare and put a little trigger on that, how to build a rabbit box, a rabbit gum, some of them call them, and all those type of things. But that's what it's talking about. That snare of the fowler is that person who, who is out to catch game. And he said, God would deliver me from that. 
And I want you to know that eagle saints are targets. And the devil, every one of you who are saved, every one of you who, who love the Lord Jesus Christ, I promise you the devil and all of his demons are giving you a fit. The closer you get to revival, the more trouble you have. And I told Regina, I said, we must be really fixed to have revival because the devil's been giving me a fit here lately. You know, listen, here, I, I, I heard this story recently. And uh, in fact, I've, I've, I've read it and heard it uh, over the last several years in different places. But an eagle has such keen instincts, such tremendous eyesight, so powerful, very difficult to catch. In fact, it's a federal offense to harm an eagle in any way. And also, it's a federal offense if you even have an eagle feather in your possession. So if you find one, you need to call a wildlife officer. It's a federal offense if you have it in your possession. You don't want to take that home with you. But that eagle can be captured. And those people who have over the years and days gone by caught eagles, they had a unique way of doing that. As you know, eagles like uh, fish and they eat a lot of fish and they are skilled. I, I've seen them up on Lake Jordan. I've seen them come by and they'd be sailing way high. And you'd see him, boy, he, he'd just begin to descend and he'd just skim the top of the water. And you'd see him fly off with a fish, just catch him just like that. But a skilled poacher, somebody who wants to trap him, what he'd do, he'd get down by the riverbank and he'd get the biggest, prettiest fish he could find, fresh, still flop him, lay him out there on the rocks. An eagle would fly by and he'd see that, that, that fish. Instinctively, he knew that fish didn't get out on the rocks. And he'd make circles and he was afraid of it and, and he was just watching and sur- sur- uh, surveyed the whole landscape, make sure nothing was there. And after a while, after a while, having known that nothing was there and there was no danger, he, he would swoop down quickly and grab the fish and fly away with him. The next day, the trapper would do the same thing. He'd put that fish right back, same place, same thing. Eagle come by and he'd fly over and he'd see that fish and he'd take his time. He'd be very wary, very cautious, make sure there's no, no danger around anywhere. And he'd come down and he'd snatch the fish away. That goes on for days. But after a few days, the eagle gets up every morning looking for that fish. And he'll fly out across the landscape and he'll come down the riverbank and he'll see that fish in the same place it usually is. Only this time he doesn't work, watch the landscape. He doesn't look around. He just can taste his, his mouth literally begins to water about how good that fish is going to be. Fresh fish just come out of the river. And he'll come down and he'll sit. And before long he gets accustomed to just sitting and eating that fish there. After a matter of days, the poacher will come and he'll, he'll put up a large, about a four foot high net just in a bow shape and set it right by there. The first time the eagle comes by, he sees it. Something's different. Something's new. And he's, he's afraid of it. And so he'll get off. And when he lands, he lands off at a distance from it. And he'll watch and look all out through the woods and all around, make sure nothing's there. And a few minutes, he'll begin to make his way up and very cautiously, he'll grab the fish and fly away. But the next day he comes back. Same scene, same net, same fish or a new fish. And he'll come then he'll light and he'll walk in and he'll grab the fish and fly away quickly. After a few days of that, though, he comes down, he comes in, he walks in and he'll just take his time. He'll tear with his mighty, mighty beak that fish apart and he'll enjoy that good seafood meal sitting there on that rock. But unbeknownst to him, the fowler comes during the night and he runs a cord down from that net down through the brush and back over into the edge of the woods where he's at. The eagle comes like he always has. And he comes and he lights. 
And he begins to feast on that fish. And the fowler, the poacher, pulls the string and the net falls on him. And that mighty eagle who's made to fly fights against that net. And the more he fights, the more entangled he becomes. And he's captured. And he loses his freedom of flight. You've got an enemy. And he wants to hang something in front of you and say, this is good. But what he really wants to do is capture you. He wants to ensnare you. He wants to put you back in bondage. That's what sin does. Sin bruises and batters and bounds. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say the chains of sin are too heavy, uh, too, too, too light to be felt until they're too heavy to break. My dear friend, he, he wants to capture you. The enemy wants to fight against you. For an eagle to get captured, there are three things that have to be in place. Same way with you. It said in the book of First Peter that you and I are to be sober and vigilant. That is, we always be aware of our surroundings. We always watch for the enemy. Always know that what's happening, that devils, he, he's fighting against us, warring against our mind, warring against our body, warring our family. And he's trying to defeat and destroy every one of us. He's trying to entrap us, entrap you into discouragement and fear and bondage of sin and disobedience. He wants to rob you of your joy and rob you of your victory and rob you of your power. That's his plot. He's going he's to do everything he can to do that. He's, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It says also in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness. This world, I mean, it's a spiritual battle. You're, 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 you've made yourself the enemy of all of hell when you trusted Christ. And, it, and he's going to use everything at his disposal. Number one, for an eagle to get captured, there has to be a cunning poacher. It has to be a cunning enemy. That's somebody who, who knows his business. He has to be skilled. And your enemy, I promise you, is skilled. From be, be, even before time began, God created this great angel called Lucifer. He failed. And he has been working in the human race ever since. He's skilled. He knows how to manipulate you. He knows how to work against you. And here, he, this, this skilled enemy, he has to be crafty, he has to be cunning. And the Bible says that we are not ignorant of his devices. That word devices means methods. He's, he's got different methods. He uses different things on different people. If you've got five children, you've got five different personalities in your house. Some of them will like green beans. Some of them wouldn't swallow green bean if you had to drink a gallon of tea behind it. They don't like it. But the devil knows exactly what you do like. He knows exactly what will get your attention. He knows exactly how to deal with you. He is skilled. And not only must he be a skilled hunter and a skilled fowler, but he has to be experienced. And can I say something to you? You read the, the Bible, you read the annals of history, and you'll see that there's nobody in the human race that's a match for him. None. Not one, not one king, not one senator. You say, here's a guy, I mean, he's got everything. He's got, he's got a pretty wife, he's got money, he's got prestige, he's got everything. And he commits and goes off and has a stupid affair. Here's, here's a guy that plays basketball, signs a contract for, for $27 gazillion. 
and gets caught drunk driving the next day or runs over somebody and kills them. Loses it all. I remember years ago, there's a guy who played at the University of Maryland named Lynn Bias. And I did not like Maryland. I, I, I didn't like Maryland. But I, I liked old Lynn Bias. You know why? He hit the floorboard. He played like a wild man. I remember when he beat Carolina one year. Made, made me mad as a devil. I got in the flesh. Do you remember that? I can see it like it was yesterday. Yes, sir. They were one point behind. And we tried to throw the ball in. He stole the ball and slammed it and won the game. It was all over with. Signed a, <laughs> signed a big old contract. I told y'all the devil was after me sitting on the front row. He signed a great contract to play professional basketball. Remember that? Was it a day? The next day. He died. Had a big party that night. Took some sort of drug. I don't remember all the details, but he died. Boy, my heart was broke for him, broke for that family. I wasn't going to get a dime of his money, but I, I hate to see somebody do one stupid thing and not only lose his future, but lost his life. But while thousands were brokenhearted and weeping, there was one with a fiendish voice laughing and mocking and making fun. When your teenager's laying in the road in a puddle of blood, he's laughing making fun he hates the human race and he's skilled at what he does he'll rob you of your family and your fortune of your fame but more than anything he'll put you in hell for all eternity if you listen to him he not only must be skilled and and not only must he be experienced, but that enemy has to be patient. You don't catch any, most anybody can catch a mockingbird or a sparrow. But you don't, you don't go out and just catch an eagle. It'd take a week or a month, maybe months, before you can ever get him to where you can catch him. If you're going to catch him, you've got to be patient. And can I tell you something? You've got a patient enemy. He won't quit. Just because you go to a prayer meeting. I mean, you come in here and boy, God, the Holy Ghost will move on a Wednesday night and you'll leave out of here rejoicing and know you're in the presence of God. And he's up for you all on Thursday morning. And he'll keep working on you. He, you can pray, you can seek, the, yeah, but he's not going to quit on you. You can get the victory and you can have power and you can serve God, but he ain't going to quit on you. He's going to be patient. He's going to keep hounding you and hounding you and hounding you. How long, Brother Billy, how long will he fight against us until you draw your last breath and you flee this world and you have a brand new body in the presence of the Lord? He'll pursue you to the grave. He'll fight you every step of the way. Every step of the way. In order for that man to, for that eagle to be caught, there must be a cunning poacher. There's got to be a cunning hunter. He's got to know what he's doing. But then... There's going to be a costly bait. He didn't, he didn't put just anything out there. He put a fish out there. That's what the eagle loves. He knows exactly what it's going to take to get you. Because you see, in order for him to catch an eagle, that eagle has got to be conditioned to ignore his natural instincts. He's got to, keep, he's got to make the appeal so inviting 
and so convincingly that he will ignore his natural instincts. Now, I preached about this a few days ago, a couple of Sundays ago. When God made animals, he put in them natural instincts. Now, you and I have a certain amount as human beings, but ours, when we sinned, everything about us was fouled up. And what appears to be bad, or what was bad, now appears to be good to us. The lust of our father, Satan, will do. You, 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 your will, your will dictates your instinct. Now, an animal and an eagle, his instinct determines his will. But as a human being, your will determines your instinct. You, you, whatever you want, that's why people want to do this. They want to commit sin. They want to have uh, premarital sex. They want to take drugs. There's something that draws them to that. Their will to do that. Their will to do that. What affects our instinct as a believer is the word of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. Eve looked on that fruit and it was good. She followed her visual Physical drawing and and desires. But we don't walk by sight. That eagle, in order to get on that ground and get under that net, he has to get to the place where he doesn't doesn't use his natural instincts anymore. And what the devil wants to do is he wants to break down your spiritual instincts. To where if it feels so right, it can't be wrong. You know what I'm talking about? And that's what he's trying to do. There's got to be that costly bait. It's got to be something that will cause you to forget this fact. That whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. That shall he also reap. You've got to get that out of your mind. He wants to just blot that out to you. He wants you to get so used to comfort that you forget the consequences. That's what happened to that eagle. It was convenient. Man, listen, if you're going to catch a fish, you got to fly. Now, an eagle, an eagle is 45% effective in his, in his attacks. In other words, 50, almost 50% of the time he catches whatever he goes after. That's higher than any other species of, of animals that prey on other animals. Well, he's going to get, you got a good chance of getting caught if an eagle wants to catch you. But man, it's just so easy. You don't have to. You don't have to fly. You don't have to look. You just, there it is. You come to it. It's easy. And sin, sin is easy. It's the path of least resistance. It's an easy thing. It's going to be easy. Besides that, everybody else is doing it. We used to have some friends down in Alabama. Used to sing a song, and the title was it. Any dead fish can float downstream, but live ones swim upstream. That make any sense to you? Easy. That path of least resistance. He wants to make it easy for you to sin. He wants to make it acceptable for you to sin. He's got to have the right kind of bait. 
Nobody goes into an adulterous situation with the idea that they're going to wreck their family. They're going to ruin their children and the grandchildren and everybody else. They're going to bring reproach on the name of Christ. They're going to have public scandal. They don't go into it with that in mind. Nobody does anything they do with a thought of what's going to happen down the road. You try and get that six-pack of beer. We're going to party and have a big time, turn the music up loud. We're going to have a great time. But nobody wants to think about the fact that down the road they'll slam into a pine tree. Their brains will be scattered on the highway. There'll be mamas and grandmas and uncles and aunts and everybody weeping and crying. And somebody's got to come and get that up. When I was growing up, Brother Wayne lived a little while in Rapids over on, on what's 5th Street, uh, 10th Street going out of town. It goes on out of town. There's a guy over there, man, he was a motorcycle dude in that day. Black leather and all that. Boy, he was, he was a hell's angel. Didn't have nobody but just him. I mean, he's a bad dude. But on a Sunday, he done been drinking some, showing off out in front of the house. Just, just, there's just a crowd of folk around there. He was showing off. Come flying down by the front of the house, lost that thing somehow or another. Out in front of there, at the driveway, they had great big old brick columns. He flew off that motorcycle and hit that brick column first, splattered. And as a young boy, I remember what they told me. Somebody said the most awful thing about that is that his little girl was out there trying to get her daddy's brains up into something off the pavement. They said, and they would forget. I didn't, I didn't see it, but I, I, it's just that visual picture in my mind. Nobody counts the cost of sin. The wages of sin is death. He said in the book of Exodus chapter 20, he said, I'll visit the iniquity of the father onto the third and fourth generation. That's how serious it is. What an impact your life has. Your sin. Well, I can do my own thing. It ain't nobody but me. It's my own body. I can do what I want to. I can do just like I want to. Do you understand there's consequence for you, but it's consequence for the third and fourth generation on down the road? You're affecting a lot of people. You're affecting a lot of people with sin. Oh, what an awful thing. There has to be that cunning enemy. There has to be that, oh, listen, that costly bait. He knows exactly what it takes. You'll take the bait. So many people do take the bait. Adam and Eve took the bait. Got cast out of the garden. Cain took the bait. Killed his brother. Solomon took the bait. Lost his power with God. Think about it. Think about uh, uh, Samson did. You think about all those who took the bait throughout the Bible. Judas took the bait, denied the Lord. All this in great mighty men. David took the bait, committed adultery, had a man killed. He took the bait. You say, well, I can handle it. Well, you might can handle it. But David couldn't handle it. Adam couldn't handle it. Cain couldn't handle it. Samson couldn't handle it. Even Solomon couldn't handle it. He had, a, he had great wisdom. He couldn't handle it. Did exactly what God said don't do. He married all those wives. Brought in idols from other countries. They ended up destroying the whole nation. His sin did. Destroyed the whole nation. Oh, my dear friend, listen. Abraham led Lot down to that place. If God, if Abraham just obeyed God, he wouldn't have been where Lot would go over into that city. All falls back to Abraham, actually. I want to thank the Lord. There are some who didn't take the bait. 
Joseph never took the bait. Ruth didn't take the bait. Nehemiah didn't take the bait. Daniel, the three Hebrew children didn't take the bait. Hosea didn't take the bait. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't take the bait. And old Stephen didn't take the bait. Throughout history, there have been good men of God and women who didn't take the bait. You know how they did that? Not their self. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the power of the Son of God who lives in me. That's the only way you can resist sin. Be surrendered to Him. Be under Him. Quickly, I'm, I'm through. Listen, what is the hope of that? What is your hope when you've got such an enemy as that? What's your hope? It's here in this passage of Scripture. Notice the place of that hope. He says they've come to trust under the wings of the Almighty. Boy, listen, you can, get, you can scrooge right up close to him. You get up under him, you stay in his shadow. You stay right close to him. If you abide in him and abide, he said, if you abide in me, you can ask what you will and I'll give it. The only way you can be faithful to God is to stay close to him, walk close to him. And if you'll stay, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. You've got to stay close to God. You can't trust your natural instincts. You can't trust your eye. You can't trust what you see. You can't trust what everybody else says. You've got to stay faithful to God and stay close to God. I don't care if everybody in the world is doing it. You stay close to God. You've got to get close to him up under the shadow of the wing of, of the Almighty. Notice what he says, his wonderful provision. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. He can deliver you. He can deliver you. Oh, listen, he'll check you. The Holy Ghost of God will check you. He'll show you what's wrong, what's right, and he'll, make you, he'll cause you to where you want to live right. If you're left, trust him. Trust him. Just trust him. My dear friend, if, if you don't know that, that place is under his, his wing. There's a wonderful promise here. You trust him. Notice what he says in verse 15. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him. And honor him. Oh, listen. God the Holy Ghost will take you and deliver you if you call on him. You say, Brother Bill, I'm in the biggest mess you've ever seen. Bondage and chains all around me. Satan's already got me. Well, I know that. But you know what? There's somebody who can deliver you. There's somebody who can set you free. And he said, if you call on him, he'll come to you in your time of trouble. Call on him. You say, Brother Billy, is it just that simple? Just that simple. He loved you and created you for his own pleasure. He didn't create you to be ruined and wrecked and ruin your life and everybody else's life. He called to save you. He said, listen, these things I've spoken to you that your joy might be full. He wants you to have real joy. And he'll give it to you if you'll call on him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call on him? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He can and he will deliver you. If you call on him for those of you who are Christians and you're in a place where you've got bound up, I can tell you, he can set you free. He can deliver you. And, and he said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God can restore you. God will restore you. If you'll call on him, get honest with him and stay scrooched up close to him. Folk, let me tell you something. You're in the last days, you're in the last leg of the race. Some of you have messed up a time or two. My dear friend, listen, we, we can't afford to do that. You've got to be faithful to God. There's no telling. I don't know how many chances you'll have to be faithful to God. How many more chances you'll have to live for Jesus? My dear friend, I do know this. You've got a great enemy. 
And he knows what kind of bait to offer to you. But if you'll be faithful to God, he'll give you wisdom. He'll help you. And you won't have to yield to that. There's a place of safety. It's under the shadow of the wings of the almighty God. You need to look to him right now. Would you bow your heads in prayer with every head bowed, every eye closed? I appreciate you listening. I want you to have victory. I want you to have joy. I want you to be able to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, the lust of your father you will do. That means that whatever the devil wants you to do, you're just going to follow it like a lamb to the slaughter. Your life needs to turn around. There needs to be a change made. He said, if you'll call upon me, I'll answer thee. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. People say to me sometimes, Brother Billy, you don't know what in all I've done. I said, no, I don't need to know. Wages of sin is death. God knows all about it. And when Jesus died, he bore your sins in his own body on the tree. Everything you've ever done. Everything you've ever done. He knows about it. Every sin you've ever committed. And when Jesus died on the cross, he bore all of your sins in his own body on the tree. He's already done that. But it's a free gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And right now, you need to receive that free gift. And for those of you who are Christians, I want you to be sober and vigilant. You understand this. The devil wants you to quit. Wants you to throw in the towel. And he's patient, and he's going to keep bombarding you. He's going to keep coming against you day and night from every avenue, through your family, through your friends, through work. I mean, every way. He's going to really come against you. He's going to try to wreck your life, destroy your influence. He's going to try to defeat you and discourage you. Right now, in Jesus' name, I'm praying that you'll take Psalms 91 and read it over and over again. There is a place of refuge. There is a place of safety. There is a place of renewal and blessing. It's in His shadow. It's up under the wings of the Almighty God. Well, what a resting place. What a place of refreshing and renewal. If you have been disobedient to the Lord, if you sin, best thing to do is come. He didn't come this morning to condemn you. He came to cleanse you. He wants you to be clean. He wants to fellowship with you. Moms and dads who love their children, correct their children. It's because they want to have a happy home, want the children to be, have joy and peace. And my dear friend, God will deal with you that way. You've got to come and just get it honest and get open before God. Let him cleanse you. Leave here this morning with the joy of the Lord in your heart.